0: Hi, and welcome to the Lighthouse Church Podcast, where we're diving deeper into God's Word and doing our best to help encourage you in your walk with God. Thanks for joining us. And so what I want to challenge you to do, and you, you guys can take it or leave it. I mean, you know, I'm not going to be able to force anybody to do it, but I want to challenge you. Do you want to have the best Christmas you've ever had in your life? Do you want to have the best Advent season that you've ever had? Here's one way that I believe that we can do it together, Okay. I want you and your family, or if you're single, or whatever is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Even you individually uh, can do this. I want you to pick out one name or description of God, and I want you to make that your theme this Advent season. It doesn't even have to go along with Advent season. You know, we talk about love, hope, joy, peace. We talk about all those things that go along with it. It doesn't have to make sense. You might pick out um, the way. You might pick that out because he's made a way for you when you didn't see a way. And you make that your theme. You say, well, why would that matter? Because I believe that if we will be intentional about making him the center point of our Christmas, we will have the best Christmas that we've ever had in our lives. Because we will celebrate the whole reason. Imagine this. Imagine that Lindy over here had a birthday, and everybody showed up to celebrate it but forgot to wish her a happy birthday. Is it, wasn't, it she, wasn't she the reason we all showed up to start with? Because she invited us to her party. But then we go to her party, and we socialize, and we give gifts to everybody else, but we forget to actually wish the one that we were there for a happy birthday. And so, you know, we could debate whether this is Christmas, it's birthday. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what day of the year it is that we celebrate, but in this particular season, I want to challenge you to pick out one, just one. Don't come back and say, well, listen, I picked out six because I can't just pick one. Because people, we turn everything, we got we to gotta up-spiritualize everything and, and be, just pick out one. Keep it simple. If you've never done it before, one's going to be a challenge. And so pick something out. Maybe it's just Jesus. I don't know. Maybe it's Redeemer. Maybe it's living water. And what I would like for you to do is not just make it your theme. I would like for you to write it on a note. Put it on the fridge. Put it somewhere where you remember it. And I want you to dive deeper into that meaning and what it is that, that draws you to that. And look into that and dive into that and watch and see if God doesn't show up in a way that you've never seen him show up before this Christmas. And I think that it's totally doable. That's what I think. So... I challenge you today. You have been challenged. Some of you take challenges personal. And some of you say, well, Amanda, she's not competitive. I am. This is competitive. Okay? We were making gingerbread houses, and I said, this is a competition. She said, this is not a competition. It's an exhibition. I started to say expedition. (laughs) It's an exhibition. And I turned around and looked at the kids, and I said, she doesn't realize this is a competition <laughs> because we're competitive. So all right, I want you to, to think about that. And then I'm going to give you four today. We're going to talk about the power and the name. Four that are very important for us to remember going forward. But there's thousands of different names for God in, in, uh, in Scripture and, uh, and, 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 you know, you may have something completely different than any of the rest of us. Yours may not even necessarily be in Scripture because it's something that's formed from a relationship with God, and you make that your theme. You know, so I would like to challenge you in that. So, But here's the first one. I'm going to run down just four this morning. Can we do that just four? Real quick, four. We're going to find the first one in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Right off the very bat, man, I'm telling you, it says, In the beginning, Elohim... God created the heavens and the earth. The very first, the very first description of God that we find is this. And what's interesting to me is that people call you by your name, don't they? But they say Brian. That's it. I have I have a few other. There's some people. Uh, one little girl in the church she calls me Pastor Brino, and I kind of like that. She also calls Josiah Josiah, uh, because apparently he's like a Greek. God of some kind. <laughs> I don't know. That kind of sounds like what that is, and, but he's going with it. He kind of likes that name, Josiah. you know. So uh, I'm Brino. I don't know why I couldn't be Briancus, <laughs> but I'm Brino. That kind of sounds like SpaghettiOs, um, but nonetheless. But the bottom line is we all have one name, but when you're talking about God, when you say God, you're not just really saying God because God to you is something maybe a little different than what God is to me. Now we know that he's the creator, he's the ruler, he's the authority, he's, the, he's uh, more all-powerful, all all-knowing, all-present, but there's certain things that we have to understand that when we say his name, we're not just saying his name. And Elohim is one of those that displays that he is God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. One of the things that I love, and I'll come back to this, is that one of the first things that we see in God is that he's doing what? Creating. You know what? The day that you die is the day you stop creating. You have to continue to create. And I see, I see people, and, I, and then people, people will say things to me, said, you're so creative. I'm really not creative. It's just that I'm still doing it. You know, I mean, and there's older people and there's younger people that just refuse to do it. And I'm like, every single one of you. Y'all know that every single one of you are creative. Did y'all know that? I have seen some of the laziest people be some of the most creative people that you've ever seen because they will do anything to get out of work. And they're very creative about it. You don't want to say it? Y'all know somebody because you're thinking about somebody in your family right now. I never forget the time that I went to church with these. Uh, Sheriff's Department uh, guys, one was the chief investigator for the county, and they had this thing going on in Walmart, Walmart couldn't figure it out, TVs, and computers, all this stuff was missing, and they couldn't figure out what was going on, and what ended up, what was going on was, and I know this is back in the year when they used to do this, and I don't think they do it this way anymore, you would walk in, and the greeter, you would have a package or something, you know, and they would give you a sticker because you were going to bring it back, and you would take it to the service desk and they would, you know, get you to exchange it or refund your money or whatever. And so these guys were going in and they were getting like packs of batteries or stuff like that. And they would take it outside on the parking lot. And then they would come back in and have it open and say, these were the wrong size. There's nothing wrong with them. And they would give them a sticker. They would go over to the, instead of going to the service desk, they would take their sticker, go straight back to the TVs, get a TV pop the box open, put a sticker on it, go to the service desk. And the service desk, they would say, do you have your receipt? They said, no, it didn't bring it. So you're going to have that. So then they would walk right out the front door. My gosh. (laughs) Listen, that's criminal, that's a crook, that's evil, but that's pretty creative. And I thought to myself, and I told those cops, I said, if I was that creative, I believe I could probably make millions of dollars doing something more productive than doing that. And they finally caught him, and it took a long time for them to figure it out. So creativity. We find him in creation. He's creating. But Elohim, it displays that he is God. In this scripture, it displays his majesty, his power to create. He didn't go to Lowe's. He didn't go to Home Depot. He spoke it. He breathed it into existence. And that's a big deal for us. So Elohim is tied to numerous other descriptions in the the Old Testament to describe one particular thing about Elohim. So they would say, God is, Son of God, God of Abraham, my God, God of kindness. These are names that are mentioned in the Old Testament. God of strength, God that is far, God that is near, God of truth, living God, God of the living. On and on and on and on you'll find hundreds of examples of Elohim or something like Elohim in the Scripture tied to another description of who he is because God is, that he is God. And so what I love most about this usage, though, is that it ties him to creation. And I want to just take a second and focus on that because I think we undersell ourselves and our God by not being creative. You are creative. You don't have to sit back and watch other people be creative. You can be creative. And in doing so, you fulfill who God has made you to be. You've been made in his what? image so that makes you a creative being you absolutely are and whatever you're doing you should be as creative as you possibly can at it let me tell you there you will never I'm uh, if you want fulfillment you will be as creative as you can at whatever it is that your hands are on so I can't be as creative as the next it doesn't matter you be as creative as you possibly can with what's in your hands you know, I, I see Amanda. Amanda does this, and I'm going to brag on her for a second, because Sunday nights we do the meals for Celebrate Recovery. And she, she that week, she, she, and she probably should kill me if I, she's going to kill me later because I told this. But it's too late now. It's my sacrifice for you guys. And sh- she will make this menu. And some of you are here on Sunday nights, you don't know she'll make this menu of what she's doing, and she'll set it out there th- during the week. And I'm looking at this menu all week long, Celebrate Recovery, Sunday night. She has this theme, and she brings it in, and people eat, and a lot of people don't even notice. They don't even, they don't even go, wow! But she don't do it for the wow. She does it because whatever God puts in her hands, she's going to be as creative with that as she possibly can. It's not about an applause It's about satisfying what's in me to satisfy the creator who created me in his image. And that's being as creative as I can with what he's given me. So that's the best I can do. But Psalm 33, we've got this. It says this, verse 6 through 9, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. And I don't know about you guys. You know, you see some stars. But I've never seen as many stars... And I made Emery get out because we were in Moab, Utah. And we're out in a national park and it's nighttime and we're seeing gigantosaurus deers and with racks like six miles wide. And we're like, wow, we're chasing deers through the national park, literally. We're like doing U-turns and all this stuff because there's no traffic. And we get outside this national park and there's no lights, whatever, there's no light pollution. And you know, I, I honestly have never been anywhere in my life where there was no light pollution at all until I went out there. And I, and I did this one night when Amanda and I were out there and I, I stopped the vehicle and I said, I want you to get out. And we got out and it's absolute, complete darkness. I mean, it's, it's darker than you could ever imagine darkness being. And then you look up. And when you look up and there's nothing to pollute what's there, you see God in complete form, man, I'm telling you, creating all these stars. And there you look up and there's just, I mean, there's—I mean, you can't count how many stars you're seeing. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And if you've never done it, it's worth going just to do that. And she got out and it took about five seconds and then she went, holy cow, something like that. And we stood there. And, of course, here's the thing is we can pull out our phones And we could video it. But it ain't no good. Because those cool little iPhones, they don't do this justice. There's nothing that we can create that would top what he's created. But in his image we've been made to create, and it's a reflection of who he is. And so he says this in verse 7. He says, he gathers the waters of the sea into jars. (laughs) What? Like, he got a quart jar out of your cupboard. And he went over to the sea and he went splash, splash, splash. There it is. And he you understand? You understand how massive that is? And then he says, he puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded And it stood firm. You know, it it challenged me this week to think about this. What can that God do right now in this season if we allow him to speak into our lives? What can the God who created all that stuff that we saw in the sky do for me if I allow him to speak into my life right now? What can he do? Our circumstances. Our family, our children, our parents, our world. What could God do if we allow him to speak? What if this year we made it less about what's under that tree and more about hearing from him? What if we do that? You know, I'm years ago, and I've shared this story, but it's been a while. Some of you may not have heard it before. When I was a kid... My am single mom, so we got, when we got presents, they were always from Miss Santa. They were never from Santa. And so that's what happens when you live with a single mom that hated her ex-husband, Miss Santa. So I grew up not really believing in Santa so much. So. But uh, my brother would work at Piggly Wiggly. Uh, he was working at Piggly Wiggly, and he was closing bagger every single Christmas Eve. Every single one of them. And they closed the store at that time at like six o'clock, but he didn't get out at six because he had to mop, sweep mop and do all that stuff. So it would be seven o'clock and my mom would have to go pick him up because my brother didn't have his driver's license. And so she would go pick him up and I'd have to sit there all day and look at those presents under that tree. The truth is I'd already messed with half of them because I was at the house by myself quite a bit and I knew what half of them were, but there was this one that showed up that day. It wasn't there before. It's almost like my mom knew that I was messing around, and I shouldn't have been. That was wrong of me, but I did. And so this one box was about that long, about that thick, and it was so heavy I could barely move it. And I, I, could, I could shake it because I shook it, and it rattled when I shook it, and I was like, mm, that right there, that's the gift. That's the one. And I kept telling my mom, said, so let me open just one. Just one mom, just one, all day. No, no. Now listen, she's smart. This is a smart woman. She's also a little evil because she did me wrong. And she finally broke down and she let me open one and she knew exactly which one I was going to go to. And I cracked that thing open and it was a shelf. I was 12. I didn't get excited about a shelf magazine rack, whatever you call it, it had a little uh, flat top and then it had a thing down on the bottom. It had these little spindles that come up and you put magazines down on the bottom. I didn't care what it did. It didn't have batteries. It didn't make noise. It didn't go. It didn't run. It didn't do anything. It just would sit there. We put it together and I <laughs> That's what I did while I put it together. And my mom sat back in satisfaction knowing that she had done such a great thing. Perhaps maybe the most wisest thing that she'd ever done in her life. You know, though, that's what's funny is that Amanda and I got married and I brought that into our marriage. That furniture, you could not beat that thing. And we kept that for probably 10 years of marriage, I guess, didn't we? And so I had that for probably 20 some odd years. And that thing, every time I looked at it, I was reminded that what I thought I was getting I didn't get but what I needed I got because sometimes the things that God wraps up and gives it to us show up not looking like what they, we thought they were going to look like but instead it's a gift that will actually bless us in seasons that we're not even entered into yet because that's how God works and I believe he's a creative God and I believe it's interesting if we allow Elohim to speak into our lives that we will have the best Christmas ever. Second one is this, and I'll run through the rest of these pretty quick, is, is I just bought a shirt uh, that has this on it uh, recently, and I get a lot of questions. What's, what's YHWH? And I love and that's one of the reasons why I bought the shirt. Is because I like the idea it's just a black shirt. It looks just like that. As a matter of fact, it's got white letters on it. If you see me out, some people probably have wondered and don't ask because they're afraid what they might get if, you do, if they do ask. And one guy on a video on social media recorded it, and then I did the camera the opposite way, so it looked like H-W-H-Y. He wanted to know what, hi- what highway was when I was, you know. So it's not a highway. Y'all know what this is, don't you? Some of you, Yahweh, yeah. But this is important that we get this, because why is it spelled that way? And I'm not going to go too deep into this, but I want you to know that you'll find this first in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, and that's when Moses was chugging along looking for the sheep, and all of a sudden he seen something, uh, a bush burden, and he turned to the side and he went to the bush. And in the midst of that, God called out, and God referred to himself as Yahweh, Right. But they didn't say Yahweh because it was too holy of a word to say, so they made these letters. And it was more like, from what I've studied, it was more like that when they breathe. It was more like, yeah. because it's too holy of a word to say out loud. Could you imagine being such fear and respect of God that even his name was too holy For you to even speak with your mouth. And this is where they were. Now, later on, they changed it to Y A H, you know, Yahweh. But now we're talking about just the breath. Isn't it amazing that God allowed you to speak his name just with breathing? You don't even need your tongue. Try it. <laughs> Some of y'all are scared to try it, aren't you? You're going to get in the car and you're going to try it though, aren't you? You're going to be sitting at lunch today you're going... <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be like, you choking? Something wrong with you? <laughs> no, I'm praising God right now. <laughs> right? I'm just breathing. That's all I'm doing. That God is so infinite and so amazing that He would give us... A name that we literally could just breathe and worship him, but it says let everything that what breath praise the Lord, right? And this is good because so we find it here, and these four letters are so sacred. And later, obviously, they pronounce it Yahweh, but this is God is or He is. And what's beautiful about this is that He has no limits. He's beyond beginning and He's beyond the end. See, it's so funny because you hear people, they're like, well, how can there be a God? You know, there's no God, where did God come from? You know, same thing my lawnmower says every time I get on it. Well, where did my Creator come from? You see, because when something's been created and it's been created to live in a certain place, it doesn't necessarily know where the Creator come from because it wasn't created, it wasn't created to, you understand what I'm saying? The lawnmower probably asked the same thing itself, is where did my creator come from? But the bottom line is I've been created because we have these things going on, you know, we had for years now, and it's a very prevalent teaching now of evolution. And when I look at evolution, it actually takes more faith for me to believe evolution than it does actually that God created. And I'm like, so you're telling me that we all formed from that speck and we ended up where we are. And if monkeys are evolving, why didn't all of them evolve? And why are some of them still in my family? And so... What's up with that, right? I mean, I've got a lot of questions. There's so many little places we want to allow ourselves to believe. So God is, he has no limits. And it's not he was, it's not he will be, it's not that he may be, it's not that God is probably, it is God who is, I am, I am. Imagine walking around saying, who are you, I am. I'm not, I was. I'm not, I am going to be. I am. I'm always, I am. In every context of it all. You see, tomorrow I haven't got there yet, but he's already there. And in tomorrow, he is, I am. For to me, see, to me, he is, I'm going to be. But God is not, I'm going to be because he's already there because he exists outside of my time. Y'all, this is mind boggling. Yesterday is gone. And I could say God was, but God's not was, he is I am, yesterday, even though I'm not there. You want to know how I know that for sure? When I became a Christian, when I became a believer, he went back and he cleansed me of everything that I'd ever done. And a God of I was would not be able to cleanse me of what used to be. Only a God of I am who could step into a realm that I cannot go into can cleanse me of a place that I can't go back to. So he is Yahweh. He is I am. He's always will be. He exists outside of our limits. And, you know, we're going to jump to the next one. Our next one is Genesis 17. You find all these. There's just two more, this one and one more. When Abraham, it says in verse verse 1 of chapter 17, I, I love this, when Abraham was 99. Somebody help me out. 99. 99 years old. I watched an interview with two different ladies that were both 105 years old, and they looked like they were 105 years old. And, and they were ready to get out of this world. Both of them were just like, they said, one of them said, do you have any dreams? What are your dreams? What are your aspirations? She said, I ain't got any dreams. I ain't got any aspirations. I want to go to sleep and it'll all be over. She didn't say it depressed. She didn't say, it. she said it very satisfied with what God had allowed her to be able to do. But here we are. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. He said, I am, what did he say? God Almighty. Now we just read that and we look, I am God Almighty. That's it. But that's not what he said. He said, I am El Shaddai. I'm El Shaddai. So here he is, he says, I'm El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. Okay, so God reveals to him who he is. And then he turns around and he says, you will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, but your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now this is really cool, because El Shaddai means God Almighty, overpower, all-sufficient one. There was a song back in the day, man, it was a big one. El Shaddai, El Shaddai. And there was a lady that we went to church with and she had the track and she would sing it every chance she got. She would say, "She die. And we as stupid teenage boys would be sitting back there going, you shall die, you shall die. All of you will die. That's what we heard when she sang it. So anyway, we did not pay attention very good to that song. Little did I know I was not, that was not a nice thing for us to be doing. I was mean. And I understand what meanness is. But now God's, Save me from that. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Here's what I love about this exchange in the story. And I wouldn't have been saying that then if I'd known this. But I love this exchange because in the story is that God revealed this name to Abraham. And then he changed Abraham's name at the same time from Abram to Abraham. From the singular form of a father of one to Abraham, which meant father of many. So he did that. So every time God would call Abraham... Instead of saying Abram, he would say Abraham. Abraham would be reminded of the promise that God had given him every time his name was spoken. But what was even greater was that Abraham would speak El Shaddai back to him and remember that that means God Almighty, overpower, all-sufficient one. And to, to my knowledge, we don't see it before that. And so this was like God revealing himself to, to, to Abraham and saying Look, this is who I want you to call me. Because of the promise that I have for you, you need to be reminded of the fact that I am all-powerful, I am overpowering, I'm all-sufficient, and that I can do this thing that I promised. And so one of the ways I'm going to remind you of the promise is that I'm going to allow you to speak this name to me. Why is it important that we just know that we don't say, well, thank you, God? It's not just thank you, God. What is he to you? Abraham had something specific. Why am I asking you guys to pull out something specific and make it your theme for Christmas, for Advent? It's because Abraham needed to know the specifics. He needed to know what to call God, because if he didn't, he would forget that God was all-powerful and all-sufficient and able to accomplish what God said that he was going to do in Abraham's life. Every time he spoke it, every time he said El Shaddai, he remembered, wait, hold on a second, what does that mean? Oh, I know what that means. He's able, he is more, he's sufficient, he is overpowering, he is God Almighty. He is able to do this. And so, and at, at, what, you know, at what point in your life, i got to ask you, have you had an exchange with God that left you permanently different? And you need to think about that, and you need to put a name on that, and you need to call God that. Because it was significant for you as God takes you toward what it is that he has for you in your life. You need to remind yourself of it. You need to remind. You don't need to stay there. You need to keep going forward. Abraham didn't stay there, but he kept moving forward. But every time he's calling God, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Shaddai. I love this because every time I hear anyone call me by what God calls me, it reminds me of what God has called me to. You understand? When somebody calls me by what God has made me to be, It reminds me of what God has called me to. And see, there's people in your life that remind you of what you used to be. And that's the people you need to go, okay? And there's people in your life, I hope there are, and if there's not, you need to put yourself in a position where there are those people that speak to you the way that you should be spoke to that remind you of what God has called you to who you are and what God has called you to every time you call on El Shaddai it reminds you of who he is the last one is found in Genesis chapter 22 and y'all, y'all know this one anyway in Genesis 22 verse 14 it says so Abraham called the name of that place it, it says the Lord will provide he called that Jehovah Jireh and, and as it said to this day on the mount of the Lord shall be provided." so we all know what Jehovah Jireh is Well, it's a good thing to remind ourselves of who Jehovah Jireh is this time of year because a lot of us are worried about provision this time of the year. We're worried about God's provision because things are going on. But what you need to do is you need to speak the name of Jehovah Jireh because he is your provider. I want to tell you something. This morning you got up and you were breathing. Do you know that you couldn't afford the amount of oxygen it would take for you to get here today? You don't have enough money to be able to afford the health that you have right now. So well, it could be better. Well, it could be better, but it could be worse. You cannot afford to have the grace that you have been given today. His mercies are new today, and I'm going to tell you, there's never a day in your life that you've been able to afford enough mercy like what he's given you this morning. You say, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm still lacking. I'm still seeing. I'm not seeing where he's providing. Honey, he's provided for you all morning. You ain't seen it. Jehovah Jireh. He showed up this morning. He started celebrating when your foot hit the floor because he's provided brand new mercies for you, not so they could be wasted, but so that you can live today. He's provided oxygen for you to be able to breathe, and he's given you the lungs. You know how we've evolved from that little speck, and we've amazingly got these lungs that are able to do all these things and all these thousands of functions that are going on in our body because our body figured that out over all these years. But still yet, we seem to have stopped evolving to a certain extent. But nonetheless, here we are. Well, maybe it's because we have a Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And one of the, my favorite ones is El Roy, and I don't have it here today, but I want you to understand that El Roy means the God who sees, and, and I love that. And we see that in the Old Testament too, because the young lady didn't think that God actually seen her anymore, and it had to do with Abraham, and all of a sudden he shows up, and she calls him Elroy. Because he's the God who sees. You know, the God who sees knows your need and the Jehovah Jireh is the one who's able to provide it. Man, I mean, he is everything. He is all things. And these, I mean, we're just scratching the surface this morning as to what he is. And we're entering into this Advent season and what better way to enter than knowing and calling him by Jehovah Jireh because he's my provider. You know, he's all sufficient. He's all knowing, all powerful God. So, once again, I want to circle back. I want you to pick out something and go with it. And you have the best of intentions right now. You're going to go home and do this, but you're going to forget. And it's going to be Christmas, and you're going to like, we didn't do that. And you're going to regret it because you're going to have stressed over Christmas presents. You're going to have stressed over going to every home and everybody's Christmas. And the, one of the greatest things that we ever done is when the day we simplified and said, we're not going to run all over tarnation anymore, because that is not what God has called us to do. We used to do that. We'd go up to Virginia, and we love our family, but we would everybody's divorced and remarried. That ain't my fault. Come on. Somebody say it. That ain't my fault, right? But the problem is I'm living with it like it's my fault. And we would be at a different house every night. We would go for four or five days, and we would stay in somebody's house every night different. We would pull our kids and our luggage to all these places. And by the time we got three or four days in, people were like, you guys all right? Well, heck no, we're not all right. We're dragging 18 people in a vehicle that's too small for what we have. And we're staying in floors. We're sleeping on couches. And you asked us if we're okay? We didn't say that. We was just, yeah. And then we would go home, and every year we would say, we need to stop running around like this. This isn't what it's about. And the next year, we'd be right back doing the same daggone thing again. You guys all right? It was like Groundhog Day, over and over and over and over, until one day, until one day, Amanda gave birth to Jonah, or Josiah, and things began to shift, didn't they? Because it was New Year's Eve. We couldn't go all these places. And we had the best Christmas we ever had when that young boy was born because not only did we get the gift of life, but we had the gift of being together without a hoopla. And that was worth way more than anything that was under those trees. And we said, we love you guys. You're welcome to come see us. And the ones that loved us showed up, and the ones that didn't stayed up there. So I'm just joking. (laughs) Well, maybe not. (laughs) Anyway, so I want to encourage you guys. You're entering the Advent season. This is it. Let's make this the best one we've ever had. Can we do that? Why don't you stand with me today? God, we thank you, because we're entering into a celebration of the birth of Jesus. I don't have to run all over tarnation. I, you can, everybody around me can call it an attitude. Maybe it is. Maybe we need to have an attitude. Maybe we need to, to stub up and say, you know what, I'm going to celebrate Jesus this year. It's not going to be about the things. There's nothing wrong with gifts. There's nothing wrong with all those things. There's nothing wrong with spending time with family at all. But God, it's not even about family. It's about Jesus. And God, if I'm not celebrating Jesus, then the whole family thing is just void. It's spending time together with no reason To spend that time. No reason, true reason to celebrate because Jesus is the reason we're celebrating. Help us, God, to put him to aggressively and tenaciously put him in the midst of everything that we're doing this Christmas, this season, this Advent. God, it's hope, it's love, it's joy, it's peace. Those are the things we talk about, but still yet it seems like every year we get further away from those things. Because, God, I think it's because we've made it about all these other things except for the one thing that really matters. And I pray that this Advent season will be the one that changes everything for the rest of our lives. Help us, God. For those of us that are parents, our grandparents, there are children that are watching us, and we're setting the standard, we're setting the pace. This is how you have a good Christmas. This is the things that you do. This is what you go and do. This is what you buy. And this will give you satisfaction. And unfortunately, God, that is the furthest thing from the truth. And we all know that. Help us, God. This is not about buckling under the pressure of commercialism from from, uh, uh, this world. This is about us taking a stand and saying it's about Jesus this year. 100% about Jesus. And it changes everything. Thank you, God, today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks again for joining us for today's podcast. You can find out more about us at lhchampton.com. See you soon.